0: A few weeks ago, we were blessed by the presence of Elder Mike Rogers, formerly pastor of a church in San Antonio, Texas. Brother Mike moved to Alabama about a year and a half ago, and he was in our area on Sunday evening. The Lord blessed him to preach a powerful message from Psalm 23, and I wanted to use it on our podcast today. So I hope you'll stay tuned for this excellent sermon by Elder Mike Rogers from Psalm 23. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy.
1: Let's turn this evening to the book of Psalms 23, the 23rd Psalm. You all know this one by heart, I'm sure, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's a, uh, a very popular uh, verse for, uh, to be quoted and we, of course we, we tend to use this as a, as a funeral text, right? You hear it a lot at funerals: "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want," etc. And so, uh, but you know, it's more than just a funeral text. It's actually a text for everyday life, really, isn't it? It's a text that we can use uh, in our times of need, and uh, even in our times of good, we can utilize and, and look back at this psalm and really uh, appreciate what is written here: "The Lord is my shepherd." I shall not want. You know, there was a story about uh, this family who had some young children, and of course they had their family devotions every day, and they would assign uh, a child to memorize a verse that uh, that would be shared at their family devotion. And so it came time for the little four-year-old boy to memorize his verse. For, uh, for the family devotion, and this was the verse that, uh, that was assigned to him, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, was the one that he was to memorize. By the time that it got though to, uh, to the time of the family devotion, uh, he quoted it this way, the Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want. <laughs> And that, that works, too. I mean, I like the way the Lord's put it, but uh, and as a four-year-old, that's, uh, that's all right. as And that's, that works for me. The, the Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I want. That's all I should want. That's all I need, for sure, is for the Lord to be my shepherd. Um, but it should be all that I want, all that I desire, as we know that our, our thoughts should be upon things on, in heaven, that our, uh, our desire should be toward His righteousness and His kingdom first, and, and then the Lord takes care of everything else, doesn't He? And so, the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, he is the Lord, and He is to be my shepherd, not just a shepherd. And we know that He is not one of many. He is the only way, as we mentioned this morning, uh, talking about it in the sense of being He's the only door. But he is my shepherd and we we need to personalize that the lord is my shepherd and because the lord is my shepherd i shall not want that's a that's a strong statement and it's a a statement that we need to really implement in our lives and and believe it in our lives that because he is our shepherd i'm not going to want now that means of course uh, something different to the spirit than it does to the flesh. The flesh wants a lot of things. Uh, the flesh wants uh, a whole lot of things that uh, it shouldn't have. Uh, but if we look at this from a spiritual standpoint, from the standpoint of a regenerated, renewed child of God, uh, as the Lord is our Shepherd, uh, because of that, I'm not. I realize I'm not going to want. I'm not going to be lacking anything as He is my Shepherd. Not going to be lacking anything spiritually that He is going to provide for me, that He is going to make sure that, uh, that I have the, the spiritual food that I need, and which we'll see here in a moment in this very psalm, or that, uh, that I have the guidance that I need, which is provided for in this psalm as well, uh, that, that I have the comfort that I need, again, provided for in this very psalm as well, and that I understand that, uh, that there is a, an eternity waiting on me again, which we will see in this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters." You know, um, I lived as Brother Buddy uh, might have mentioned that uh, over here in Alabama now, but for years lived in in Texas and in uh, San Antonio. Um, we don't have quite the greenery that you have around in, in these parts of Alabama. You know, it's, um, we, we like to say in Texas that everything's bigger in Texas. And that does include our trees, but we keep most of the tree underground so you can't see it. So, it's, you know, it's only a short part of it that's on the top of the ground. But, um, and, uh, but there's a lot of uh, a greenery over here, and I love the green. I, re- I remember going to Ireland a few years ago. And seeing the oh, that is a green country over there, and seeing the pastures with the uh, the cattle and the sheep on it, and and just having a better um, appreciation of this verse right here that those green pastures. You know, when uh, in my yard in San Antonio, if you went and tried to walk around or lay roll around in my yard, you're liable to get uh, stickers or fire ants, you know, and, and uh, so uh, it's, it's nice to have a good green pasture, and, and the Lord uh, causes us to lie down in those green pastures, giving us that comfort, giving us that rest, giving us that peace, which comes uh, with that type of, uh, of an environment, and he, he makes us to do that, and I'm, I'm thankful that God is sovereign and that he, he leads us in this direction, leading us beside the still waters. Uh, there have been times when I've, uh, I've seen on TV people going down uh, rapids in a, in a little raft, you know, and they've, uh, they go down these uh, rapids and it tosses them around and sometimes they fall in and fall out and 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 such, and I think, you know, uh, I guess that's fine for some people, but I, I kind of like the still waters. I kind of like, uh, you know, going around on a pontoon boat and just kind of taking it easy, right? And so I'm glad the Lord leads us beside the still waters. Those rapids, uh, they, they can pull you under, they can take you places you don't want to go. And, uh, and I'm glad that God knows that, uh, that we need the still waters to be still and to know that He is God, right? To, to drink from those still waters and, and to have this peace. And as we think about this, uh, this verse, lying down in these green pastures and, and having this, uh, this calm brook that's flowing through these green pastures, that just seems very idyllic, doesn't it, to us that, uh, to have that kind of a place. Well, spiritually speaking, this is what God provides for us that uh, all this world, you know, this world provides us with the rapids and, uh, you know, we got to strap our helmets on and hang on to the boat and, and hope that we uh, don't fall out and such. And, uh, and this world will try to take us places that we don't need to go. And I'm, I'm glad that God uh, says, now, wait a minute and just hold on a second here. I've provided for you these green pastures, these still waters, and we're reminded of that on uh, Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, uh, Wednesdays, whenever we might meet, whenever God, uh, God's people get together, we're reminded, hey, we can, we can relax here just a moment. We, we've got this uh, moment when we can, uh, uh, we're not trying to fight the rapids of this world, but we can, uh, we can have this uh, peace, and, and as we have this peace, then it does restore our soul doesn't it i mean coming to a a place like this coming to uh, gather with the saints it says he restoreth my soul that that our our soul gets uh, regenerated revived Uh, uh, here as we come together to sing these songs of praise unto God and I appreciate over what you mentioned brother buddy over at uh, blooming grove and by the way I'm sorry that I didn't get a chance to the opportunity to come be with you all at the constitution uh, a little bit ago but uh, as you as you expand that song service and because that song service is so important it's very important for all of us as part of our ministry uh, as, as we sing these songs, Zion, as part of our ministry to one another. Uh, and it helps us individually as well as we sing those songs. And we, res- we get restored by, by coming here and, and singing those songs and hearing them sung and, and such. And, and it does that for us. But also, uh, as we hear the Word of God proclaimed, right? As we uh, hear the Word of God is brought to us once again, as, uh, as Peter said, uh, re- as, uh, to be reminded of these things. These things that we know. But to be reminded, to, to stir up our pure minds by way of remembrance, right? And to, to be reminded of these things. It restores our soul and, and causes us to uh, search uh, and get back uh, in searching for righteousness once again. He restores our soul. He leads us, he leadeth me in paths, in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. You know, righteousness is uh, something that we don't have by nature. We understand that. We know that. We have no righteousnesses. We, there's none righteous. No, not one. You know, there's, there's times when uh, uh, I will joke around with my family when uh, there's a disagreement on some matter or something, you know, and, of course, I'm always right. You know, that's, that's just the way it is, you know. I may be wrong, but I'm always right. And, uh, and I will teasingly uh, give you this, just teasingly say, there's one righteous, just one, and you know, I'm the one who's right. Well, I know that, uh, that I'm not righteous. I know that I'm not right all the time, and I know that I'm not righteous either, that Jesus Christ is the only one who is righteous, and all of our righteousnesses, as the scripture says, are as filthy rags, we don't have any, and our, uh, uh, the, the only way that we are declared to be righteous and seen righteous in the eyes of God is because of the work of Jesus Christ and how He has imputed His righteousness unto us, He's clothed us with His righteousness. Uh, but it's not just, a, a stand, just the, uh, the standpoint of being righteous in Jesus Christ but to go down the paths of righteousness, to seek after righteousness. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? And so it's going down the paths of righteousness also. And uh, as we think about that from our, our uh, own personal standpoint, uh, that means that we have to realize what, uh, what Solomon said in Proverbs, there is a, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death we need to realize that uh, that uh, you know we 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 need to follow the way of Jesus Christ who is the way by them, uh, by the way he is the way and uh, in fact his disciples in the in the book of acts we're told uh, we're uh, it indicates to us they were called the disciples of the way he is the way, and so as, uh, as we uh, go on in our lives, go about our lives, and He's causing us to be at peace uh, in this life by causing us to lie down in pastures that are green and leading us beside these still waters, and as our, st- our soul gets restored, then we're, we're ready to, be, to follow after Him as He leads us in these paths of righteousness, now, remember though that he does so for his namesake, for his own glory. And that's why we exist. We exist for the glory of God. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. We're reminded in, in the Old Testament with the uh, Israelites and how that, um, you know, the, the Israelites, particularly in the wilderness, would murmur and complain, you know, and, and, and God would say, and, and this is not exactly how it's recorded in the King James Version, but if you'll allow me a little liberty here, God says, I'm just going to zap them. And, and Moses says, well, wait a minute, God, you know, they're your people. You remember they're your people. And of course, uh, God always remembers that they are his people and, and such. And he, uh, he causes them uh, to, or he allows them to continue for his sake, for his glory. We read in Ephesians chapter 1, you know, some of our uh, favorite verses as Primitive Baptists that that He has chosen us, He's adopted us, He's predestined us uh, uh, for His sake and for His glory. And that's why we exist. And so as we go down these paths of righteousness, it is for God's glory. And we do all things to the glory of God. Now we get to verse 4 which is, uh, uh, of all of these verses, I, you know, they're all very good verses. I particularly uh, am drawn to verse 4 many times. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. as such poetic language and, and it brings to mind uh, uh, something that is very visual, uh, visual to us as we're walking down the valley. You know over in San Antonio we we lived at the uh, at the foothills of what's called the hill country. You know you can go a little bit out and you have these rolling hills in the hill country. Now we've moved up you know to, to Huntsville and, and we've got uh, uh, well, I don't know what, where a hill becomes a mountain. I don't know what that dividing line is, but uh, f- uh, compared to what I'm used to, we've got mountains over there in, in the Huntsville area, right? And over, over here, and as we've been coming and driving this weekend uh, down here and, and around and such, and you, you go through these, uh, as I told Brother Jim uh, earlier today, you go through these hills and hollers, right? And you, you go up and down and, uh, and such, and, and you get down in, into a valley, and um, if we get down into the valley and we, we know that the shadows are greater down in the valley, right? Because uh, it was like when my mother and father moved out to New Mexico uh, back in 1982. And um, my mother, and the, we were from Mississippi, by the way, so I'm, I'm originally from Mississippi. And that was quite the culture shock for them. And where they lived, uh, there was mountains on either side, and they lived on kind of this uh, plateau. Mom said you could see the sun from 10 to 2, right? I mean, it, it just was, other than that, you were in the shadows most of the time. You're in this, in this valley, and the shadows uh, are, are, uh, are there in the valley. But As you're walking through the valley, and as you uh, are traipsing through there, here is something to Remember? Any time that you're in a valley, this is what comforts me, that there is no way that you can have a valley unless you also have mountains. A valley cannot exist without mountains. And so if you're down in the valley, you at least have the comfort of knowing, hey, there's mountains around me and one of these days, maybe I will be back up on that mountain and, and enjoying that mountaintop experience, right? And so as you're going through the valley, then you know that the blessings of the, of the mountains are there and, and, and you're going to start going up, you're going to start uh, uh, surmounting that. And, and once you get up there, you'll have that mountaintop experience once again. But also remember this, it says, as I, uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the shadow of death, you know that you can't have a shadow unless there is a source of light, right? I mean, if we, if we were to get into uh, a, a dark place, no windows, you know, no lights and such, and it's just so pitch black there that you can't see your hand in front of your face, you're not gonna see a shadow because there is no light there. And so even if there is the shadow of death there, you have this blessing of knowing the light is still shining. It's still up there shining. And one of these days the clouds are going to break away, the sun is going to break through, the light's going to break through, and you're going to be able to see that light one more time. Yes, there are shadows from time to time, but that's because there is a source of light, and that source of light never goes away as opposed to whatever's causing the shadows. And then there's a third thing to take out of this as well, it's the shadow of death, and we talked about this. Uh, this morning and this morning's message as well about death, and, uh, and that is uh, we think about uh, death and what's, you can't have death unless you have life, right? I mean, it's hard to die unless you're alive, and so you, uh, it's just not possible. So even though there's the shadow of death, know that there is also the reality of life out there, and that life is in Jesus Christ. That life is in Him. And as we, uh, as we trape through this valley, we know the mountains as we are there. We, as, we, as we're in the shadow of death, we know that the light source is there. We know that life is still uh, with us there. And that gives us the hope. And so uh, I'm not going to fear any evil. I'm not going to fear the evil one because I know this is just a shadow of death. It's not death itself. That is, I'm not being separated from God right now. You know, I, it's just a shadow of death. And yeah, there are times in life when we get scared of the shadows, right? We get scared of the shadows. And, but the, and the shadow of death is, uh, is, is a reminder to us of the evil that is out there and the evil one who is death himself, Satan. But we're not going to fear that because we remember the mountains, we remember the light, we remember the life that is in Jesus Christ. And he says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So that even in the dark times, uh, when God gives us a little tap on the shoulder with his rod, with his staff, when he gives us a little reminder that he's still there, uh, we don't have to, to be uh, uh, fearing that evil one. And then this uh, verse 5, another amazing verse here. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now, I've never served in the military, never had to go out and, uh, and be on, uh, on a military campaign or anything. Um, but I do understand this. That if the military is is out there in the midst of a battle and the enemy is right there, the enemy is right there within sight, right? The enemy is right over there, that the commanding officer is not going to say, hey, let's break out the tables and the chairs and the fine linen and let's have us a fine meal right here. That just, that's not good military strategy right there. That's, it's just not going to happen. Because the enemy is right there ready to pounce, ready to jump on. And, and so uh, they're not going to be uh, sitting out there enjoying, enjoying a fine dining experience when the enemy could attack at any moment. And yet, right here it says that our shepherd, our God, has prepared a table for us in the presence, not in the possibility, but in the actual presence of our enemy. You know, isn't that amazing? Well, does that mean that God is a bad commanding officer? Well, of course, we know uh, that's not true. As as the Apostle Paul would say, God forbid, Um, he is not uh, a, a bad commanding officer, but instead he knows something that maybe we don't know. And that is, He's got things under control. He's got it all figured out. And, and uh, because, because he knows the enemy, he knows how the enemy works, he knows when the enemy is going to attack before the enemy knows that they're going to attack, right? He knows how to protect us, he knows how to hedge us about, he knows how to, uh, uh, to put a shield around us and protect us. He's not concerned about the enemy. And so, He says, let me just prepare a table for you. Let me prepare a banquet for you here. Yes, the enemy is right there. They are are in sight. Satan is right there ready to pounce. But I'm going to provide you with a banquet right here in the presence of your enemy. And that's how confident God is well if if we should be have that confidence in god ourselves shouldn't we we should have this confidence in god that he knows how to protect us and he prepares this table for us he prepares it now in the times when uh, in my married life when we have hosted uh, I've definitely followed the lead of Lori as far as how to prepare things and get things ready. She's got it all figured out and I'm just the foot soldier tries to, you know, what, what am I supposed to do next and such. God's got it all figured out. He, he's preparing it and He's preparing it very specifically for you. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. It's for me. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over, Now thou anointest my head with oil. Do you know that the anointing of, the, of oil, used in, in the Old Testament culture in various ways, but particularly was used to indicate that uh, someone was an honored guest. And that's kind of the, the whole concept here of verse 5, in preparing a table uh, and getting ready for this guest, and you are the honored guest. That comes in to God's banqueting table and he, he anoints you with oil. You are an honored guest of Almighty God. You are the honored one. And that's just amazing to think about. And what's even more amazing to think about is I'm going to take back that word guest because you're not a guest, you're a child. You are, you are supposed to be there. You're permanently there. You're not going to be there and then. Uh, you know, he's going to expect you to leave uh, after three days, right? After three days, uh, fish and company begins to stink, right? You know, heard that saying. And so He's not going to ask you to leave. You're there permanently. You're, you're not just a guest. He, and, and yet he anoints your head with oil. You are special to him. You are marked by him as being someone that is very important. My cup runneth over. And uh, how, how it is that God is able to give uh, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, right? I mean, it's just amazing how much God gives unto us, exceeding abundantly above so that our cup indeed runneth over. Now, you take all of this combined, you know, with the Lord as our shepherd and he's, he's causing us to lie down in green pastures beside the still waters, giving us this peace and restoring our soul that we can keep on going and leading us in those paths of righteousness and, uh, and, and uh, delivering us through this valley of the shadow of death and preparing a, a table for us in the presence of our enemy. You know, I'll take all of that together. You take it all together and you say, Wow, how God has blessed me, how God has put me into this favored position is just amazing. So the conclusion has to be, surely if God has done all of this for me, if God has has taken me through all of these things, if God is like that with me, then surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's the that's, that's the evidence, God, all that God has done, then surely in every day of my life, not just some days, not just you know, the even days or the odd days or the up days or the down days or the good days or the bad days, but every day that ends in the letter Y, He is going to make sure that surely that, that, that goodness and mercy are following me each and every day. They're tagging along with me all along the way. The goodness of God, the mercy of God. They they are right there to my left and to my right and, and no matter where I go, there goes the goodness and the mercy of God as well. All the days of my life and then when my life is ended, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." When my existence in this world is over, when my existence here is over, I am going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But you know it's a house that He built for you. What did Jesus say? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. He didn't just say, I'm going to prepare a place and, you know, I hope some people show up. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. That place is built specifically with you in mind, right? And it, I'm going to dwell in that house. That, that, that place that he has built for me, which is in the house of God, I'm going to dwell there forever and ever. And I don't have to be worried about being evicted and don't have to worry about the bank taking it over I don't have to worry about, you know, somebody coming up and and stealing it away from me or or what have you. It's going to be mine forever. As Peter said that it's an inheritance reserved in heaven for you. It's reserved for you. I'm going to dwell in that house of the Lord forever. Now, this Psalm, as we go, go through it verse by verse tonight. It hopefully means a lot to us and maybe hopefully a little bit we're reminded of a little bit more of how much it really means to us and how that the Lord is indeed our shepherd. And as we close out, I'm reminded there was a, an actor one time and from a small town, you know, maybe much like Gordo and he had gone on to make it big in, in Hollywood. Uh, was a well-known actor and there was a role that uh, that he became known for uh, where he was a parson and as part of that role uh, he quoted uh, the 23rd psalm there in the in the show Well he came he came back home and uh, the people greeted him you know were very glad for him to come you know and, and they gathered in the fellowship hall and, and to, to really uh, give him a warm welcome back and such and uh, and they asked him they said would you Uh, stand up and would you present to us the 23rd psalm like you did when you were acting it there in that show and so he did he 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 agreed to do so with great flourish and great drama he, he quoted the 23rd psalm you know as actors do the the lord is my shepherd i shall not want and and really gave it his all and after he was quote had quoted the 23rd psalm uh, the people gave him a standing ovation, you know, that round of applause and such. Well, it just so happened that uh, the old preacher was there as well. And they asked the, uh, the old preacher, they said, would you also quote the 23rd Psalm? And uh, with uh, some prompting, he agreed to do so. And as he uh, quoted the 23rd Psalm, not with the flourish, not with the bravado that the actor did, but uh, he quoted it. Uh, word for word, and after at the end of it, there wasn't a dry eye. Even the actor himself was, was in tears because of that. And the actor said, you know, I know the 23rd Psalm, but he knows the shepherd. We could memorize this 23rd Psalm. We could quote it word for word, maybe even give it some bravado like the actor did. But the true question is, do you know the shepherd? Do you know the shepherd? Because that's where it really takes meaning to us, is if we know the shepherd. And I trust and pray that uh, I will strive to know the shepherd each and every day along with you.
0: Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. That's zionpbc b c one eight four seven 8 at gmailcom or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L-at-gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.